Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Nanorama. One October. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Norman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You're home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 197. Eric, hello. Hello. How's it going? Eh, it's going. Yeah, that's what I... Comic books. Comic books. We will be discussing the New Mutants later on. Chris Claremont. Bob McLeod, Sal Buscema, Bill Sankiewicz. I mm-hmm. think there's a couple other artists in there that do an issue or here and there, but those are, I think those are the three main artists on the on the book. What we read, volumes one through four, which you know, those are not normal size volumes. They are. Uh, it's a lot. Nine, ten issues a piece, depending on the one, and then yeah, and they're also Claremont issues, which equals like four regular normal comics today. It's- it is it is a lot of reading. It is a lot of comic book, but we'll talk about that later. Before we get there, we have comic books that came out this week to talk about. Eric, are you are you excited? Are you ready? Are you ready? I, I'm I'm always ready for comics, except for yesterday when I was not ready for comics. <laughs> we we can go to our first segment. It is time for weekly floppies. Weekly Floppies is the part of the show, and Eric and I will read a selection of this week's books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. We have a mush meter goes from one to five. If we are feeling particularly mushy, our first book of the week is, hey, it's that comic. It's here. Marvel Legacy, number one. Written by Jason Aaron, Art, Isad Ribic, with Steve McNibbin, Colors Matthew Wilson, additional artists, Chris Somney, Russell Dodderman, Alex Maliev, Ed McGinnis, Stuart Immerman, and Wade Von Graw Badger, Pepe Larraz, Jim Chung, Daniel Acuna, Greg Landa, Jay Liston, Mike Diodato Jr., David Marquez, and letters by Corey Pettit. You sound like you need a nap after that. <laughs> I feel like I need a nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here, here, it, it, you know, Secret Empire is over. It's a real shame. Uh, and now we have Marvel Legacy, a not definitely not a reboot, Eric. Mm-hmm. Definitely not trying just to get us back to where we were after Secret Wars or whatever. Where I don't know where th- this is. Hey, here's the status quo. We're renumbering everything back to original numbering. Here's a little bit of look at a lot of the characters where they're at. You can here is the Marvel universe in total, plus some additional stuff like you know the Avengers 1 million BC and where some for some reason that's going to mean something. And uh, hey, you remember the Fantastic Four? They're around again, maybe. Thank, I, I, I have missed the Fantastic Four. I sincerely hope that they teased, uh, 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 uh let's see, who was it? Uh, was not, was one of the Marvel guys saying, teasing that Hickman was coming back. And I hope, I am so very hopeful that he will be writing the Fantastic Four globetrotting, you know, Valeria and Franklin and, and, you know, working on planets out in the universe. Cause that sounds like a good comic book and one that I would read. Um, hey, Wolverine's alive again. Yep. Where were I? I I had it. I had it pegged for like 
next year sometime. So I was I was a little bit a little bit off. Although I I don't know do does Marvel know that they have they have two Wolverines right now? Well, they should um three technically. No, three. They should also name Doc and Wolverine. I mean, let's just keep name. Let's just name everybody Wolverine. Sabretooth can be Wolverine. Oh no! Cyber can be Wolverine. I don't. Lady Deathstrike now Wolverine. I believe Cyber. I mean, dead. Silver Samurai. What the fuck, Wolverine? I think Cyber's dead. So, did you say Cyber's dead? I believe Cyber is dead. Yeah. Nobody fucking dies in comics. So he... fuck you, Omega Red's Wolverine now. I think Omega Red is also dead. Maybe that's why. I or he's come back. Up. Maybe he's come back. I don't know. I just like motherfucker. We, everybody comes back. I know. Not Uncle Ben. Well, it's fine. Uncle I'm... Ben's tired. <laughs> he had to raise Peter Parker. That nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I just okay. Wolverine's back. I cool. I love. I love Wolverine. I'm not gonna make no bones about it. I oh OG Wolverine Logan. I love Wolverine. Even no adamantium laced bones about it. I I love Wolverine. I just guys, you brought in another Wolverine because you desperately wanted a Wolverine, as well as having X23 become Wolverine. Like, what is he just now? He's just Logan, and then we have Old Man Logan, and then we have Wolverine. Is this is how we're gonna go? See. DC does double Batman and Marvel answers with triple Wolverine. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't know what's, it feels, I don't, are you excited after reading this? Does this get you excited for Marvel? Um, it does not make me unhappy. And I think mostly I've just like it. It's like, Hey, remember, um, Oh God, why can't I remember the, uh, was it secret war? What was it called? The, the Esad Ribic event. Am I? Why am I stupid? Secret Wars, I Secret believe. Wars. Yeah, yeah, that was. It was Secret Wars. Wars. Or Secret, Secret War Two. Secret. It's a. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Well, I. I, I mean, it was plural. Just being reminded what? of the good times, I do feel a little bit less gross. And I don't know. It's. It's. It. It's caveman Marvel Universe fighting a celestial and. Robbie Ray's being fucking awesome, punching who the fuck? What is it? Uh, the what are they called? The Star, Immortals? Starbrand. Starbrand. That's who he's fighting. He's I, fighting Starbrand. One of the Hickman things. That was okay. one of the Hickman Avengers. Starbrand's existed before that, and then Hickman made it a thing, like a title, not just a character. Like mm-hmm. Starbrand was not just Starbrand; he was a Starbrand. It's like Novas. Yeah, I think so. And now he is, I don't even know if that's actual Starbrand, if that's just another Starbrand. I don't know, because I don't, all that stuff kind of went, whoop, I don't, got it. Yeah, there's all these weird, it's, you know, big picture universe things that don't end up mattering that much. Uh, I'm not, like, I'm totally down for, like, there's things in this that I'm going to definitely be on, like, hey, I like Isad Ribic. He is a fantastic artist. I will buy anything he draws. Uh... Fantastic Four coming back with Hickman, especially. Yeah, down for that too. Um, Chris Somney drawing Captain America. Yep. Did you did you see his Inktober number two that he posted today? I have not seen it. No. It's fucking amazing. It's to... of Two Face. He's oh. doing Bat Tober. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, 
I'm down for that. But a lot of this stuff feels kind of like Marvel just going like walking back a lot of the things that happened in the like last 12 months or 16 months or stuff. And like, and a lot of it, I don't, it's, I, I, I'm of the opinion that they've had a tremendous amount of missteps over the past year to year and a half to two years. Why? I don't, I agree with you, but it's also things like Sam Wilson Mm -hmm. being Captain America and then nothing, it meaning nothing. Like, just total, it's his stint was completely meaningless. Um, I, I don't know if you've read or seen Colin Space Twink's newest comic essay, which is called Comics and Cowardice, and basically is all about, uh, get all the Nick Spencer Captain America stuff, all of it. Mm-hmm. And, and the Sam Wilson stuff, after reading through all of his analysis and look, and like all that, it just made me really bummed out about all of it. Like, it really wasn't. Just, it's all meaningless, and I, you know, and then they have, you know, Tony Stark just like, oh, he's alive again. I'm like, well, what was the point of all this? Like, it just makes me realize, like, this is so, artif- like, all this is so artificial, and I don't know. I'm sure some of the, com- I'm, you know, the comics that will come out of this will probably be good, like, with the people that are attached to make them, because they are so talented. But some of it just makes me wince, like, the triple Wolverine stuff. I'm like, why did... Like yeah, now so now his his death was all of that was completely meaningless. Like I knew it was at the time. Like I at the time I was like this is art this is meaningless and artificial. And Marvel's just like doubling down on yep, it's meaningless and artificial. Like if Old Man Logan hadn't been around this entire time, I'd be like okay, cool, Wolverine's back. But you 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 made it mean even less because you needed to have a Logan around. What's gonna I happen? Don't know that I, I don't know that we need to make them. I, I, I don't know. I don't see a point in committing to garbage that's been put out there and not walking it back. I, I, I don't know. I think to get too deeply invested in continuity and what does this mean, and you're only going to cause yourself suffering. I mean, I'm all on board for that. Okay. Then we're good then. Hurting myself is like, why else yeah. would I read, read anything, really? Of course. I want to inflict pain upon myself. How else do I make that the feeling inside of me go away for a moment? I don't know. <clears throat> do you, you... Okay. Should people buy this? This comic book? I am a little challenged by that. Because I do like it. I do maybe have my problems with it because it is just as it, I mean, all the things that you're saying are not wrong and it is walking back a ton of stuff. It's like, Oh, well, you know, whatever. But like the fucking vitriol that's been slung at them, like this feels like they're starting to listen and it feels like Jason Aaron writing something that, I enjoy doesn't feel like he's getting his wings clipped. He's it, it, it at very, at the very least, it makes me feel like it's going in that direction. The secret wars was going in and it feels big and fun in exactly the way I want. I want my comics to be as for this very issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's skippable. I mean, it does look really nice, even though it has... I think it's still garbage to have 19 different artists in a book, even if they are 
top tier. I mean, I the the representative artists of all those books. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to be reading Deadpool, you're going to that's you're that's the artist you're going to. So see. that's reading... that's how they're pulling it is when they jump to another scene, another character. Yeah, they're pulling in that that person yes. to do a page. Yeah, the, the the mighty Thor, Jane Foster Thor, is Russell Dowderman. You know, the, the Captain America is Chris Omni. You know, it's the people, the artists that will be working on the the the, the following books. So and and that, that's that's definitely a cool thing. But I meh. I don't does does that add value to this book though? I mean, it is a sampler. That's what this book is. It's a yeah. but if it was free, I'd be totally that'd be like perfect make perfect sense to me. But this is not this is not free. This book costs six dollars, and I don't unless you are really bought into like seeing a very small amount of story from each individual character. But nothing that's really meaningful, and I imagine a lot of this will be retread in each individual comic. I don't think you need to buy this. It's not exciting. Yeah. Like, I wasn't excited by it. I don't think you save your $6, go spend it on another comic. You know, do not buy. It's not, a, like, I. it's not essential. Yeah, it's exactly non-essential. It is really pretty, though. It is very pretty, you know. <sighs> Are you? Like so, I said, I'm torn. I almost don't want to say do not buy, but. Well, you can really live without it. <laughs> what does that mean, Eric? You got to give me an answer. It means I'm going to take a nap <laughs> right now. Uh oh, on the air. That's going to be a very. Don't, this is going to be a sol- be the, soliloquy. Boringest podcast. Going to talk to your unconscious body. I mean, you mushy? It's probably not. I mean, I'm um, I'm I'm not a mushy by. So no, thank you. Okay, double do not buy on Marvel Legacy number one. Next up is Ducktales. Woo, number one. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> Written by Joe Caramagna, with art by Luca Asai and Gianfranco Florio, colors Giuseppe Fontana and Dario Calabria, letters Tommy Long. So I'm fairly certain this. I'm curious because the artists and the colors are all Italian. I I'm curious if this is reprinted Italian with that has been rewritten by Joe Caramagna. Mm. Basically, not translated, but you know him getting the translation and then writing yeah. it in English because you know oh that's all the IDW's been doing a lot of that with. Uh, I mean that would make sense, but they would be complete dicks if they didn't credit a translator. Mm. I mean it's also. I mean, if I was going to produce a a duck family book, mm-hmm. I would be getting European artists. Yeah. 10 out of 10, 100%. They're going to be the ones that are going to be the most rabid and passionate about it. So how does all, all past that? How do these, the two, this is two stories. This comic is split in basically two with two smaller stories going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes me think of. Yeah. The, the duck comics i mean it, yes it, it is I mean, two adventure stories uh kind of loose and funny mm-hmm. um not as nearly as dense as some of the old comics no but i don't think that's it easily it is, it is yeah it is a modern take uh on that i think and i think it does a good job with that it 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 reads quite a lot like uh a donald duck comic book it's it's fun and it's looks really beautiful the art's really nicely done this is not good color okay. good line art it's I, great i have a I, I have an answer it is not this is 
English first. It's just both those guys did illustrate in Disney European comics. So yeah. they have experience, I guess, with it. So that's why they used to illustrate this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like I'm saying, even even if that wasn't the case, I would not I would probably not be hiring uh, my art director senses. I, I would not be hiring um, Americans for this. They would they would be Europeans. Do you mind? There's a couple uh, like I think everything you said holds true. It looks very it, it looks very energetic and fun. Uh, I mm-hmm. I like I think the writing is good. I you know I think it's tone perfect. Yeah. For uh, a duck comic, there's a couple yeah. little spots where they use arrows to. Direct I didn't your, like that. Yeah. I, that's the thing. The one thing that stood out to me where you shouldn't have to do that. No, I really don't think. I mean, the one it it confused me. Where is it? It's where Donald. Yeah, Donald and the machine, and it makes no sense to lay your page out that way. That's just kind of dumb. I mean, no one reads like that, but whatever. It's it's a minor thing that I can look past, but I don't think it's a thing people should do. <laughs> yeah, it, it it stood out. When I went, like, because otherwise it's I was all breaking in the worst possible way. Yeah, because otherwise I thought, well, this is really fun and yeah. and a, a pretty good execution, you know, of a Ducktales comic. And then suddenly mm. I'm like, oh, hmm, weird panel layout, and then arrows on top of everything. Hmm. And then suddenly, then I'm, I'm like, why? They made me stop and think. I'm like, why is this laid out like this? And then then it back, and then you jump back in. You're like, okay, now I'm back into the thing, and it, it breaks immersion. You know, the thing that's super weird about this, and I, I assume this is part of um, the new show as well, which I still have not watched any of. I'm very bummed about that. It's, um, I can't watch it in Canada. That is a real shame. No ducks in Canada. <laughs> only geese. Only only moose. Moose No, tails. like like Louie. Mm-hmm. They, like his, they're trying to have them have more personality. I mm-hmm. guess. Right. And Louis, Louis is like the laissez faire capitalist, apparently, which is fucking weird. <laughs> like, that's the personality quirk they landed on that. Like, uh, where did that. Wh- what? It's super weird to me. I don't know. I don't know. I. I, I, I minor, minor quibbles aside, I think this is. Uh, I'm a buy on this comic. I think this is a. You know, I, it's a good all ages book. You know, and if the kid, mm-hmm. you, you have some a kid watching the cartoon, this is a good comic for them. Uh, I think adults can get as much out of it. You know, and meaning it is all ages. Yeah, uh, it looks really nice. Uh, it's charming, cute. I'm gonna buy. It is a classic Disney comic, which I think are sorely underrated in the United States. And I I want to see Louis with his who is John Galt shirt. <laughs> reason.org <laughs> on his hoodie <laughs> or no it's reason.com excuse me it's change.org you're right don't want to confuse those two <laughs> how dare you that's a double by ducktales number one next up is the beautiful death number one by matthew babble i'm guessing matthew babble i'm guessing he's a french a french man if not matthew Bablet. Doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't that's roll that's off perfect. The, yeah. Um, there, I, I, this caught my eye because it has the Brandon Graham cover. So I guess that was mm-hmm. effective enough at me going, oh, that 
that looks like Brandon Graham. Oh, it's a, his cover on this comic book where everyone's dead except for a couple. Mm-hmm. I okay. I'm gonna ask you a question because this is the thing I think kind of soured me on this comic. Is is this this gambit it starts off with, where you're following this character who is presumably the last man on Earth, or he has a, I don't know if he's he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, you see, you all follow him wandering around for a bit, you know, I don't know, like 12 pages or so. It's like 30% of this book. Yeah, it is a, it's a significant part. And then yes. he is accidentally killed by the actual protagonists of this comic. Yes. And I immediately went, hmm, cause I liked him way more than I like these three people bickering. Completely. I was invested in, in him. And then it became a bunch of meaningless whatever. Just these guys coming in, being like, okay, we're the character. Here's a bunch of nothing. It, uh, yeah. I, like, it's, uh, I, I think it, it, like, it, it is, a, it is a, a gamble in that they want you to, to have that shock and surprise and, of going, oh man, this is what this world is like. You know, this world is dangerous, and anyone you can die at any one time. Mm-hmm. Let me um, a thing that I'm I, that just came to my mind. Have you ever like seen any of the outtakes or seen Kevin Smith talk about his original ending to the first Clerks movie? Yes. Uh, uh, what is that guy's name? Um, the main character of Dante Clerks. is the character. Yeah, he's gonna he gets killed, right? In the yeah, original get, ending? Like someone comes in and robs the store as he's closing and shoots him. And the whole point of the story is, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Oh, no. <laughs> but, like, like wh- who the fuck thinks that's good writing that, like, you get to the end and pull the rug out from someone? Oh, man, you're so fucking smart, you huge piece of shit. Like, to, to be like, I tricked you. You thought this guy was the story, but really, it's these three turd monsters. And, yeah, I think those three would, if they weren't all awful, I would well probably wouldn't care. It's not but... that, like, I, I, I could care less that they're bad people. They're fucking boring. Well, like, yes. Like, there's nothing interesting about any of the things that they're saying or doing. Like, I, I felt, like, completely unnecessarily tricked that I read so much of that stuff with that guy. I'm getting invested, and it turns around, and now it's just like, all right. These three people who don't like each other but have teamed up yeah. out of, which, I mean, I've, I've seen that before. Um, what do you think about his art style? Um, it's not uninteresting. Um, this guy has read a lot of Katsuhiro Otomo. Because all of these, I mean, they look specifically like Domu. They look just like Domu to me. And yeah, they're definitely like, this is a European comic. The The setting is definitely not in Europe. Those, um, the way these buildings look, it looks, I mean, there's kanji on billboards and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I also like, I think it, I, I like how it looks. Like I I yeah. I think the the art is really you know is intricate and there's you know a lot of detail and everything and I would like this 
it just there's nothing like super interesting that happens like after yeah. that fake out and like yes there they we have like the most interesting thing that happens is one of the dudes is dangling over a ledge but i don't know how he got there and they don't tell and he doesn't tell us like it, i i couldn't like i'm like why is that guy off like hanging and then they and they have some pondering about where these bugs came from which we never see by the way we never mm-hmm. see any of these giant insectoids that have taken over the earth and it feels i don't know it feels kind of wanky i can't i i'm going to do not buy like yeah. that that the, that fake out kind of exhausted me it just went oh well hmm i was getting excited oh this this poor lonely dude going on a ham radio by himself broadcasting about the lay in the last oh then he gets killed by an rpg cool thanks it's like a kill the cat moment mm. you, you're do not buy eric this book is no thank you okay double do not buy beautiful death number one next up is fujitsu number one there's a credit page in here i'm sure there is yep. second page yep uh, co-creator and writer Jai Nitz, co-creator and artist Wesley St. Clair, letters Ryan Hill, production Charles Pritchett, logo by Rich Bloom. This feels like Manhattan Projects to me in construction in a lot of ways. Mm, I could see that. It's mostly like super science and famous people. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that immediately, like when it was real that it was James Dean, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I, do you like this comic book, Mr. Goodnight? Help me here. I don't know how I, I feel. Th- I think that it's fun. I okay. don't know. The part of me that is a huge fan of Tom Strong really likes this book. You know, the, the intersection of like super science and martial arts and just d- dumb comic booky over the top shit like this. Atomic katanas. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes me happy in, in almost any circumstance, I like weird, dumb, fun ideas, you know, like a, God, what is he, like 150 years old and he looks like a child and it's just, it's, it's nuts. Like, I, I don't know. I want to friggin' enjoy it when I read a book. I don't want it to feel like homework. James Dean has a bomb in his colon. The villain is the tallest man alive. That says that for real? No, I mean, he, his name is Robert Wadlow. I assume they're referring to the tallest man to exist, Robert Wadlow. Hmm. I assume that's the eight, he was eight foot eleven. I assume that's who they're referring the, the man who towers over the other people. I assume that is that the same Robert Wadlow. I I don't know why they happen to pick Robert Wadlow as the the antagonist of this story, the atomic katana. But sure, it's things like that where it's like I don't. I guess that's, I, my only, I think my criticism of that, of including, like, James Dean and Robert Wald, I mean, James Dean, okay, that's, that's sexy. It's James Dean. Tragic celebrity. But Robert Wald, like, it doesn't make any sense to me that, why would you have, like, a random world record holder be your villain? Like, in, in, in Manhattan Projects, all those people that they pulled in were, they, like, had weird ass alternate histories built in with them and maybe they'll do that for this guy like oh yeah i was super tall and i was i don't i don't know how he becomes like a super villain it just is a weird thing for me and it feels more and more like it's just like a shortcut instead of laying out foundation of character it seems weird that this is 
becoming like a strange subgenre. Like we just had it with Amelia Earhart and uh, yes, and and uh, DB Cooper. DB Cooper, yeah. Well, I don't even know what you call this. Not not even historical fiction because it's got to be more historical than what they're using it for. Yeah, it's like it's not even alternate history. It's like weird. Yeah. It's it. it I, like I like and the, like they're all they're mostly side characters in this. I, I like the, the 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 actual the kid. I think that's he is he is pretty fun. He reminds me of Amadeus Cho, uh, for the most like yeah, uh, in in a certain way. Uh, I think it looks you know cool. It, like it has a very distinct style. I don't I, the kid's eyebrows bother me for some reason. <laughs> it's because they're fucking weird looking. <laughs> I feel like that's a thing people do to their eyebrows. I couldn't tell you why. But I I, I don't know. I think it's uh it, it is fun. I I don't know. I I I don't know. I think I'm a, I think I'm a buy. I think I, I can I'll put aside my mis, my misgivings and give it a chance because it does have a lot of fun and it is like it's tight. It 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 is this tells the story very well and it feels like I, I just want it to do something new. Like I, 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 I'll give it some time to do something with all this, these things it has kind of introduced. I think that's only fair. You're a buy, Eric. I assume. I think so. Okay. So double buy on Fujitsu number one. Our last book of the week is Hi Fi Fight Club number two. Checking back in. Let me see. Created and written by Carly Usden, Usden, pencils by Nina Vicueva, inks Irene Flores, colors Rebecca Nalti, letters Jim Campbell. This is not a fight club. No. It feels like a nitpicky criticism. Is this a is this a bullshit comic book? No, I just that I feel that it's a misnomer. All of all of my criticisms of this are also dumb and nitpicky. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's kind of in the same vein. I, I I don't know. Oh, go ahead, give me him. This is so dumb, but like I feel like there's no real commitment to the Fight Club part of this, and I don't mean with a Fight Club, Fight Club. Like I I don't know. Like at the gym I go to, there are women martial artists, and this is. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing martial artsy about the silly shit that they're doing. It just, it that whole aspect of it feels so phony. I mean, all the other stuff, the character stuff is all great, and the art is lovely. I just wish that that aspect of it was... I, I, I don't know. Like, I can believe it when, you know, Batgirl's kicking the shit out of somebody. She's friggin' like trained by Batman and like her, I, I, like a, a couple of girls work at a record store and they have punching bags in their basement and they wear neat clothes and for some reason they can beat up a bunch of people. Am I an idiot for thinking this? Am I really overthinking this? Because like, I mean, all the, all the, all the women that I know that are martial artists and like fucking great athletes and shit. Like this is like, I I don't know if I, you're. I feel it, all like my, I think it is tonally dissonant what this is. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
there it is two halves of a thing. Not even two halves, because I don't think it's very even, honestly. Because most of this comic, the, most of these first two issues, is uh, re- it's a relationship romance comic, mm-hmm. really, of this of this new girl trying to ingratiate herself to this cool group of people she likes and maybe date one of them. And it's, you know, that's a romance comic, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But then there's also the other part to this, which is Hi-Fi Fight Club. That mm-hmm. part, which is that all these, this group of people that, uh, a group of women that she is trying to ingratiate herself to become a part of their group are also, I guess, a vigilante squad. Cause they're not, they're, they, they guess they have punching bags and so they train to fight, but mm-hmm. that's not a fight club is like, that's what I was asking about fight club so heavily yeah. when we first did our first issue. I'm like, that's what fight club is to me. It's a bunch of people beating the crap out of each other for fun. Yeah. And that, and then maybe or maybe not becoming terrorists. Um, but that's neither of these things are happening in this comic. It is a group of women who work in a record store who also are trained fighters, I suppose. Well, I think that, but that kind of what I take away from what you're saying mm-hmm. is that like there it's, it's like the writing, like in the creation of this, they don't have a whole lot of interest in that aspect of it. That it was just a concept that was tacked on to cute love story or cute whatever to to help sell the comic. I don't, and it it feels like half a commitment to me. And I guess my weird inarticulate ramblings about women athletes like that. I think that's probably what this is. That like this team kind of isn't going all in on that enough. I mean, it, it it doesn't feel like enough commitment there. I don't know. It, yeah, it doesn't. And one, I, I, I like there is a one fight scene in this really at the end, and I think it looks like drawn well enough. I suppose the few panels I, of it, but it, I don't. I, I reading these two issues, I have, I like, I have ideas of personal stakes between these characters, but I have no sense of the, the overall plot. Like mm. of the of this like this of all the of these multiple bands that are like going on and like some are missing and like I don't there feels like that there's no stakes to that like there are stakes for the relationships but there doesn't feel like there's like necessarily stakes in it, this larger mystery which is what the book is like the cliffhangers have been loosely about that at least this cliffhanger is especially at the end of this issue and that's not. The, like the parts that are good in this and what are, are the most interesting things are the relationship stuff, you know, and all that half hearted fighting and vigilanteism doesn't feel like it feels like an afterthought, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I, it doesn't feel necessarily like it understands its identity. And maybe that will, maybe that will escalate as the book rounds out its first arc. Maybe there will be more of them fighting whatever but like i wish it it would figure out which one of those things it is and just commit to it and i it's good on the relationship and character stuff i think it does very well and i think you're right it looks really really good the art is very gorgeous um it just feels kind of floaty and aimless and like i'm i i care about the relationships of these characters I don't care at all about the plot, uh, and I don't care about this fight club. I don't care about all any of that. And either 
I don't know, either move further in that direction and commit to it and go and like when you say the words fight club, this is the other thing that is, I guess, a nitpicky point, but I think maybe it expounds upon my greater criticisms is fight club, despite all the problems of basically fans of fight club have made since that movie came out 20 years ago, almost that movie is and the novel are feel incredibly dangerous and dirty and edgy even now. Uh, mm. And, you know, are good, I think, great criticisms of a certain part of our culture of people who think that they are because people who think they're dangerous, but are actually completely not dangerous. And they're just, you know, and they're hurting people for no real reason. And I, I think Fight Club does say something about that. Probably the movie more than the book. Um, but it, it has an edge. It, it feels, it feels risky. You know, there's people burning themselves with lie and, and bombs and like it's gross at times. And this, and like it, it's not a, you know, like a lot of Chuck Polyneck stuff, it kind of can be one tone, but that one tone is definitely not, it's looking at the grossest and most disgusting parts of, of humanity. And this is well, so. I'd, well, I don't see why this would, it, why, why would you want that to be this though? And that's what I'm saying. It's like Fight Club is, is that to me. So when you call this that, and it's just a light, kind of light, almost consequence-free romance comic, I go, what? I'm confused. And maybe that's just because I have a a very particular idea of what the words Fight Club mean, which feels like a very stupid thing to say. But I don't, it's, it's a, it's nitpicky. I think I'm still like, I don't know. I, I feel like this comic is still like good more than, more than it's not good. But yeah, it feels I, like I there's, definitely agree with that. I feel like there's an identity. It's having a, like an identity crisis. I think that I think that the point that it's just not committed to enough. I would say that is for me more accurate than identity crisis. That I think it could be fine that it is like mostly about these girls and and their relationships and things, but like. As much as the music in the record store is a part of who they are, this should obviously be more of that. Like, it, I don't know. I think I'm a mushy buy. I think I'm like three. I think I'm just one. Okay. So that's a double buy. High Five Fight Club number two. Mush meter of two. But that's it for We the Floppies this week. There'll be more comics next week. I promise. I promise, Eric. Don't worry, okay? Don't fret. I was so I was so worried. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is part show. Eric and I will uh, talk about what we've been up to uh, over the week, make recommendations or nerdy things or I don't know, whatever. So what's up, Eric? Cuphead's what's up. Cuphead is a really cool video game. It's too hard. I'm so fucking mad at it. We uh, I I played it co-op with my wife. And we is got it easier in co. It seems like it would be easier in co co op. I I think I'm not sure. Do they I, add difficulty when there's I don't, I don't two know. people playing? It's it the it like I think it is easier in a certain way just because simply you have another person on the screen to help you. Mm. Uh, but also it adds twice as many. Like there's another person filling the screen with projectiles and doing a lot of movement. And it's quite easy to lose track of where you are on the screen. Even if you are a different color, uh, your the character models for the second player are basically the same. 
So you get a little bit lost. And like, and especially on the platforming, the running gun levels, mm-hmm. those are even harder because then the screen movement is a part of it. So if you have someone moving to the right and you are all the way on the left, it makes it hard to, to navigate and move. So that probably makes it harder. I think those levels in particular are harder with two people. Um, we got through the first world in about three hours. We died 358 times. I'm probably going to be higher than that. This game is very frustrating. It's really hard. It is. I can't believe you got to the end of it so quick. Well, Everyone's end... beating it in like a day or two. Well, end of world one. There's two more worlds plus a, a boss finish. Oh, thing. you died 300 times at the end of world one. Yes. Wow. Okay. Then I think I'm probably going to be right around there. Yes. Uh, it's, and apparently I don't, I think it gets harder as you go. Which is fucking ridiculous. It's a, it is a, uh, for those who don't know, Cuphead is a 2D running gun game, like Metal Slug or Contra, um, which are both, I, I, I don't know, like difficulty is like kind of a hallmark of the genre. You know, like you think of all those games, they're all extraordinarily difficult. Uh, off, you know, you have to like memorize enemy patterns and execute basically very close to perfect to beat the levels you know and most of the levels in this are bosses uh yeah but they are well, all there are very there are intricate. A few levels that there are a few levels you get to the end and fight a boss and that sucks yeah that's I, that's a pretty rough thing of those running gun levels the platforming levels is that you can get nearly to the end and they take i think longer than a you know a normal boss battle would be in sheer amount of time and then you, there's no checkpoint you just die. you just go right back to the beginning Yep. And it, you know, and it is basically building a muscle memory on all those things. Apparently, those running gun levels are built so that you, I mean, you could technically beat them without without killing an enemy, and are designed that way. Like you can just dodge everything and not hurt anything, and you can do just fine in that level. But I don't know if that's. You're, are you telling me there's going to be friggin' pacifist ending to Cuphead? I don't think so. But I mean, the, obviously, the thing that stands out is. Everything is hand-drawn animation, makes it look like early cartoons, the 20s. It's like a Fleischer cartoon, yeah. for sure. And and the audio and sound, is all of it is authentically recorded. So it is recorded using technology of that time period. And it's like the style... They actually use the version of Photoshop from the 30s. Well, not Photoshop, but the, the all the sound stuff. All the audio is recorded using old audio technology. Um, they yelled at a wax cylinder. Ah, uh, it it's just absolutely gorgeous to look at. It's so beautiful. It's and, uh, they it's really committed to. Yeah, it it is really something special. Uh, like I, it, it being so hard, I don't. I probably wouldn't push through if it didn't like look so beautiful and everything wasn't so bespoke. Like it's so frustrating. It is. I mean, you just gotta die and just start over. It's okay. I I I can't take it, man. This is it's it's not what I don't know. I don't play video games for that. Well, it's, you, it's you, have you tried, challenging have for you tried me. Simple, what? Have you tried simple mode? Uh, that isn't even on everything. Like the run and gun levels, you can't put it on that. Oh well, we I mean we we played everything through regular because both me and my wife are extraordinarily stubborn and we refuse to uh give in i have not put it on the simple mode and i kind of want to but the the boss battles feel mostly fine 
the levels or to get particular, I think frustrate me. We spent, I feel like I can, I can struggle through a boss fight. I can live with that. The, we spent a long time on the tree woodpeckers level. Have you got that level oh, yet? God, I hated that one. We died. That's, that's the one that I'm thinking of. It was miserable. It's really, really hard, but I think we kind of crossed a time where we're like, oh wait, we don't have to fight all these guys. And we just kind of ran past a lot of guys. And that, that actually made it a lot better. And I think we'll probably get better at the game as we go, but I don't know. It's just, it's so, I, it is really like, the intricacy, like multiple times in those boss battles, me and my wife were just like, wow, that is incredible. Um, the one that stands out to me is the one you're in an airplane and you fight, uh, like this weird woman on a tricycle in the air and she transforms multiple times into different, um, uh, different, uh, figures from astrology. Like she's Taurus and then she's uh Gemini and it, like it's really crazy and just it keeps adding layers and layers of 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 things flying off on the screen and there's a lot of things coming at you and it's really hard to parse sometimes and that adds to the difficulty alone. Like just pattern recognition, you're like, Okay, like I was coming like I was getting to a point where I'm like, Okay, now she's gonna fly off the screen. Okay, now I need to move up because she's gonna come back, and then I need to move down and like it's like it's just like layer, layer, layer pattern recognition and moving right at the perfect time. But the those bosses like are so intricate and each stage has its own little tiny mechanics involved and the bosses themselves move and change and you know, they all, it's not necessary, it's not unfair. It's just very difficult to, to react that fast. And my Twitch muscle, I am not 19 anymore. My mm. Twitch muscles don't work the same way. My reaction time is down. But I, 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 even with that, like, I'd still, like, I have to recommend it because it, like, maybe if you're really bad at, like, just watch it on YouTube. There'll be plenty of playthroughs on YouTube that will let you see everything. So, like, you should see it. Regardless if you like to play the game, because it is unbelievably gorgeous. We're going to finish it, even if we have to bash our heads against the wall forever. You should probably just play the game. Can I do both? I mean, if you want. All right. It's free country. All right. You're also doing Inktober again, Eric. I am. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do you say it like that? Because it's exhausting thinking about it. I mean, I'm literally going to get off of this and and... Go paint. Because goddamn. Well, you don't have goddamn, to. Goddamn, son. You don't have to do it. No, I don't have to do I I mean, I don't have to get out of the bed to go to the toilet, but, like, <laughs> it's still, like. I would I would say you really do. I mean, you. I think if you really search your heart, you know you don't have to. You can, like, people say shit the bed for a reason. That doesn't seem pleasant to me. It, I mean, I don't know. What's well, so, such as it is, well, I feel well, compelled to do this. If, okay, I'm not, I understand. I'm not as amped about it as I was last year because I proved it to myself that I could do 31 paintings in a month. So now I'm just doing 31, 31 more paintings. Probably going to end up doing 35 or so by the end. But I, I might take a couple extra days to do those, or I might try and do them all in in October. I don't know. But um, but what's your, your your theme? You haven't said your theme. I haven't told you. Don't know. No, I know, but the listeners don't know. It's it it it, it is MCs and rappers. And you have thirty five of them. 
I actually have. I, I had a list of sixty-four of them. Dear God, people really were excited about this. Like, I were a lot of suggestions. People were really amped to. I mean, and I didn't even take all the suggestions. There were some that I was going to do anyway. And then, to God, that thread blew up. You saw it. I did see it. I was like, it was, well, I know, like, there's, like, probably three I'd suggest, and immediately I looked through the comments, oh, like, everyone already said them, and then a dozen more after that. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I, they got it. There, People there got were, it. Yeah, there were there were a lot of, uh, there's a lot of old heads in there. I'm pretty excited about doing a lot of these. Um, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good, a good month of drawing and painting like a lunatic, but it's the, the days of the week that stress me out because I can't always, I can't always stay on task. You know, it's, it's a challenge. I understand. It's a struggle. Mm. I mean, I guess technically I don't have to paint tonight, but I probably should take the opportunity to, I mean, I can. Probably I I don't know. Maybe I can do. I hope that didn't. <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe I can do more later, but whatever. As it stands, I'm caught up, but I need to really stay on it. It's better to be ahead because you never know what in the hell's going to happen. Yeah, things pop up. I have a couple things I want to mention. More things. More things aside from Cuphead. Uh, I played a beat Ruiner. A, ruiner a ruiner video game uh also it, it is a uh, action shooter uh dual uh dual stick shooter basically um kind of like hotline miami very similar mm. to that in 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 play gameplay uh you it is cyberpunky futuristic blade runner-esque setting you are a nameless character going after his brother who's been kidnapped to work in an imagination farm using like harvesting his imagination to feed into the diet of virtual reality that the public subsists on uh but mainly the gameplay is you running through like dark corridors entering into like arenas and like chopping people in half and shooting them with shotguns or freeze rays or a variety of weapons uh, you know, once a gun runs out of ammo, you have to drop it. You have a baseline pistol and a melee weapon, but you can, you can pick up various guns off of people that you kill and or pick up in the environment. And you have a weird hacker woman who has freed you and now is in your head telling you where to go get your brother. And she calls you puppy. Just like in, um, American Gods. She is, but I mean, she is, I don't know, it, it makes it very clear that you, your, your agency is in question at all times. And the, the game reinforces those themes through a lot of different ways. Um, the, the style and the art design is really good. It looks really pretty. The sound and music is really good. Uh, it, it, I don't know, it's a short org, short, like five or six hours probably. It's really hard. Along the same lines of Cuphead is like you are like mm-hmm. there are multiple boss battles where I died thirty times and eventually and like it lets you you there's a skill system you know you can dash you can turn yourself invulnerable briefly you can slow down time you can give yourself more health etc cetera, etc cetera, but you can redistribute your skill points whenever whenever you want so in certain battles like 
you need to invest in shields. And in other certain battles, you may want to have extra dash charge, etc. Like you can, and you can constantly reassign experiment with your playstyle and any one given battle. Uh, I, I like the world itself is really interesting, and it feels like there's a lot, like a lot of stuff around the edges that is really cool but it doesn't get the time you don't get the time necessary to really explore all that stuff because they don't have any other mechanics other than enter into arenas and kill people uh i would like if you like hotline mammy and those types of games also like hyper light drifter also very similar gameplay if you like that kind of gameplay you'll probably like this game because it's really you know tight mechanically and fun to play that way it gets a little bit repetitive but they do manage to throw in a lot of variables along the way that you can mess with that make keep it relatively fresh but it does drive you forward kind of relentlessly um i don't know the ending is my only complaint it feels a little abrupt and it doesn't feel like it does the world justice. I hope, I imagine if it does well enough, they'll revisit the world. Cause I think the world is really cool. Like it's a fun cyberpunk world. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is a book, Eric. You can read. You had time to read something else. I did. Uh, it is autonomous by Annalie Newitz, who is a oh, co-founder, co-founder of IO9 and contributor to many other websites. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her first fiction novel, and it is very good. You, she's awesome. You would, I, I'm bringing, I like, am bringing this up specifically for you because you mm. will love this book. That makes me happy that um, people that I like make things that I like. Yes, it's, uh, it is, it is also a kind of a cyberpunk dystopian kind of future, but it is a little, I don't know, it, it is kind of frighteningly prescient. Uh, with the way the world is, uh, it is like 150-ish years into the future, and uh, our the protagonist is this woman who pirates drugs that have patents on them. Uh, she reverse engineers them and then sells them to, on the street uh, so that she can get uh, – other. she can use that money to basically to funnel it to other drugs that can help people. You know, because poor people can't afford any of the drugs that actually, you know, save lives. And she ends up reverse engineering this drug, selling it, and it ends up killing people because the original drug has problems in it. And the people who sell that drug send people after her. And you're, the, the, the novel is split basically between her and her chase to uh, ex- basically expose the truth and uh, uh, the, I guess, a, the mercenary or cop or whatever he is, the agent sent after her with his bot. And the, like, the thing is, the show stealer of this novel is, it's very, like, the, the chase of the agent of this bot is very rarely told through the agent's perspective. Most of it is from the bot's perspective. And it's, its name is Paladin. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's used as, I don't know, it's a very, I've never read a book that I've read other books, obviously that have artificial intelligence perspective or robots perspective, but never like this in this very specific way about, you know, this bot has no gender and yet this, the, the agent that is assigned to it treats it like it calls it a he. And so at, at early in the novel, as soon as the agent calls it a he, the basically the narrator calls it he. And I don't know, this is a light spoiler, but I don't think it, I think it, 
it's so interesting that I I have I'll mention it like it's not it's not too heavy a spoiler it happens fairly early where he starts having romantic feelings towards the bot but he, because he conceives of the bot as a he he tries to hide those feelings the agent but then there is it, it, it I don't know it's the bot itself does not consider itself have any gender because it was never it doesn't have one it's a robot it's not it's not it doesn't have any kind of programming about for sexuality at all and you know the it, and bots in this universe can't earn their autonomy through service it's it's a very weird thing and i actually would be really interested for a book to revisit this world not necessarily these characters definitely this world because it is have it has a lot of stuff that i th- could still be explored i think in another another book but it does a lot of I don't know. It touches on a lot of like the book is called autonomous. I think of identity of control of agency, all those things are explored. Uh, it's really good. I don't know you. I am explicitly recommending you read this book, Eric. It's very good. You're you. Did you see who the blurbs on the cover were by Neil Stevenson is on the Amazon page. So I don't know who's on the cover. Neil Stevenson and William Gibson. Yeah, they are. And both of their, their blurbs are 100% accurate. It is, mm. it's, it's really good. And for this to be basically a debut novel, debut fiction, really, it's, yeah. it's kind of incredible. That, I mean, it's not like, it's not like she's a 19 year old. No, but it's. She is a, 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 a grown ass lady who has been writing her whole life, but still it is, I, I, I like the words what you said. But I, anyone who likes sci-fi or cyberpunk, any of those things, this is a really – it feels fresh and new and has really interesting ideas throughout it. And characters are fun and, 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 and flawed but interesting. I'm a buy. Cool. I'm, I'm into it. I'm a buy. Well, I didn't read it for this <laughs> podcast. I didn't read the thing that I didn't know existed. If you ever want to read it and do a Seraphonast about it, I would totally do it. I'm, uh, I think I'm into it. It probably has to happen after October, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You ready to move on, Eric? Let's move. Okay. We can, let's uh, roll. Let's, we can move on, uh, let's roll out. We can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part of the show. Eric and I will assign a longer collected work, discuss it in depth like you would a book in a book club, except they're comic books. Uh, this week we'll be discussing New Mutants, volumes one through four, by Chris Claremont, Bob McLeod, Sal Buscema, and probably in particular Bill Sienkiewicz, because that's the stuff I'm mostly interested in. When I was, I mean, when I was gonna, when we were going to read this, I was like, I'm really curious about the Bill Sienkiewicz stuff, because that's the stuff most people really talk highly about in Claremont's New Mutants run. Um... This is this was after basically after X Men he'd been writing X Men for a while and uh, I think he pitched you know what if there were new mutants uh, and I think you know they for a while there the X Men were off fighting the Beyonder or something so the new mutants were the only you know mutants around it's you know whenever we read Claremont I remember oh right Chris Claremont mm-hmm. it's unbelievably dense comic books yeah. I mean, it's like reading The Watchmen, except it's nine billion pages about mutants. I, I think I like I 
aside from like a couple other like I think like of the characters in this book of the new mutants like the only one I'm really cl- like the only one I've spent any like is magic uh, like yeah. I've been exposed to it like at any length like all the other ones they've they're still around you know they still exist sunspot was the he was the leader of one of the comic books that we read one issue of and then it got canceled uh i do, i literally don't remember him it's from it was one of the avengers books right after secret mm-hmm. wars he was like basically he's the president of the company and he was he bought maybe it was he bought aim was that it i forget mm. i have no i don't remember but like i don't these other like all the other characters like I'm vaguely familiar with them, but I didn't really know much of anything. Well, cannonball's a thing. Yeah, like I knew about, like I knew about Cannonball. I knew yeah. about, I knew Wolfsbane from a couple X, you know, from the X Factor comics. Um, but most of the other ones are like kind of are all after this. They just kind of move off to the edges of the Marvel universe for the most part. It's, it, I don't know. It, it felt. Like, it this was a spinoff of the X Men because it was so of X Men was so successful at Claremont. They're like, well, let's do another one, and I, I feel like this was very successful at the time. But then all these characters kind of just vanished. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think in terms of like superheroes, they're all kind of lame. But like the as as characters and drama, like this all works really well. You know, like it, it I, I, like I enjoyed reading this and I think that this is, I don't know, it's hard to not compare it directly to the Judas contract, which wanted to, it wasn't really ripping off of this because like, I don't know, the original X-Men run was first, that was kind of biting on it. And this came after that, right? Must my timeline more or less correct? I believe so. Yes. This is, yeah. this is. You know, Teen Titans was copying X Men's success. Yeah, and then this was also going, "Hey, that X Men comic sure is good and sells a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's make another Mar- Let's make another mutants book, but this one will do teens. You know, yeah. young, young kids for the most part. No, I, I mean, I, I like that. I mean, I it, I don't know. No, I think it's. I I think the characters themselves are really interesting. You know, and I yeah. think, you know I think Claremont like. There's a reason he's heralded as one of the, the a, a great comic book writer. Yeah. You know, there's that he's made all these characters. They're none of them. All of them have, are flawed. All of them have problems, and they're like kind of amazingly uh, diverse. Like mm-hmm. there's a, a a Kentucky redneck and a Native American girl and a Scottish wolf girl and a Brazilian sun guy. Like it's like, it is a very diverse team and it only grows from that. And they, none of them feel, I don't know. They, none of them feel like a, just a measure like of tropes and of cultural Mm -hmm. stereotypes. They feel like real, real characters beyond just, Hey, this is the native American. This is the Scottish girl this is like they're not just it doesn't that. it doesn't feel like tokenism no is is what you're saying yes. but, i mean it's hard to it's hard to call something tokenism when like what the starting team there's one non-white character if you can i mean i guess 
non non white Hispanic. I mean, okay, two. So there's there's Rain. Yes. What an awful name. <laughs> she's I I don't like any time she's like in that half wolf form. It's yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. It's creepy looking. I don't like I don't like how they I don't like how she looks when they do that. Um so I, I I think I think both McLeod's and Buscema's art is fine, you know, it, like even good sometimes, you know, like I it feels like very standard kind. It feels very much standard '80s comic mm-hmm. book art. It's it's definitely of this era, and I think it 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 works very well. Right, but I I like there is a stark difference. When you're reading the things that they drew, and then you're reading the stuff that Sinkevich drew. I think that, I don't know, I could talk about... Go ahead. I think this for... Just like, more or less just that it's interesting to me, the kind of effect that I feel that like, looking at... Because I don't think I've read a lot of Sinkevich comics, ever. I was obviously aware of his artwork. Right. Um... But I feel like seeing him do comics, like it it reads like guys like um, Sam Keith and the early Sandman stuff, and like Kelly Jones or uh, actually not Kelly Jones. I'm thinking of um, hell. Who's that Sandman anchor that died? I can't even recall. It wasn't Kelly Jones, but Kelly Jones did do a little bit of work on the Sandman. But like it it feels like they were trying to knock off Sinkevich in this and I, I i don't know that i find very interesting but the thing that it's weird reading claremont over Sinkevich. it's like so different and jarring and claremont definitely reacts to that you know just how weird Sinkevich is mm-hmm. and Essentially, all of writing, all, all like everything he's writing, it the whole world is falling apart. Yes, and it's insane, and it's almost impossible to find to follow what's going along. I think part of this is because Sinkevich is not as good a storyteller as these other guys. He's I, not really focused on telling a lot of story as much as he's just. I'm going to draw a bunch of stuff that's interesting, set pieces, and like. It's going to look interesting and weird and artistic and whatever. Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. I don't think he is. Like, it is clearly, like, that is not the, I like, any Sinkevich art, it is not, the, the storytelling, I don't think, is the primary function in it. Like, I think it, I don't know, it, it, it just feels crazy to see this in the 1980s superhero comic. Mm-hmm. To see his kind of art, like, where it... I don't know it I think it does like I think some of that other art in this the McLeod art or the Bushema art I think does a better job of telling the story but I feel like I think I like the Demon Bear stuff and the Legion stuff because it feels like Claire I don't know if this is necessarily true it it certainly feels like it it feels like Claremont is adjusting to having Sankevich do his art and oh, is yeah. And is telling his... He, he, he's writing to his strengths. Yeah, and that is really interesting and really 
I don't know. It, it's kind of refreshing. I, I and it feels like Claremont was challenged by it, and he got it. Made him better. It made him a. It made him write differently, and but still good. Like it feels like a different, de- totally different tact from the kind mm-hmm. of more standard superhero stories, which is most of everything else in this run is. You know, it's mostly, you know... It's pretty stock standard. It's not that different from what X-Men is. Yeah, it's like, here's them fighting the Hellfire Club, and here's them, like, finding a weird Roman city in the jungle, and, you know, lots of, like, like little self-contained stories and other stuff mm-hmm. that, like, you know, the Hellfire stuff is something, obviously, that kind of extends out through both of his X-Men books at the time. But it was more, like... This all this stuff had come out come after the X Men had kind of already encountered the Hellfire Club and all that, and you know had already encountered the anti mutant stuff. And th- this is just the new mutants kind of getting a different take on it because they're all kids and it's all new to them. But you read the Demon Bear story, which is Mirage, you know, Moonstar like facing like inner demon, like some inner evil. Or, or something that has captured or killed or captured her parents, which she thought they were dead. And it feels very much like because Claremont can't do the normal things he was doing because Sengavich's art is so weird, he, it, it felt, felt good. It felt fresh. And it felt like it, I, I, I don't, I think some of the stuff is confusing, particularly some of the fighting, like when they're in the Badlands. Like you, I don't know necessarily. Like, oh wait, suddenly there's these two characters who are now also Native Americans, and then and they're like, and then you don't know, like, oh wait, and then someone else gets taken over, but then Magic has her sword, which apparently can disrupt evil or whatever. That sword seems to do a lot of stuff. On is all I'm saying. Mm. It feels like Magic Sword, whatever they need, some evil kind of spooked out of a, a person. It's a plot device. Yeah. But it works. It's the plot sword. It's the plot sword. But it it feels like those both those arcs, which I think are the best ones in this in these two volumes, are very inward facing. Like it is it is like a character's own problems mm-hmm. coming like and then the and then fighting it in a weird alien environment. And I don't know which that... might I mean both of them might as well be like some kind of I don't know. They're both in weird hellscapes. Mm-hmm. One is like inside of a demon bear, and the other yeah. is inside of uh, a, a kid's, um, Professor Xavier's child's, yeah, mutant autistic mind. I don't know if he's actually like that's. It made no sense. No, like, it you don't doesn't. get traumatized and become autistic. No, like, that was it, that was one point where I was like, oh, you didn't do your homework. Yeah, I don't. It's not great. But it, it does it like they could have easily just said he is a like a kid that has like on a multiple personalities it in and of itself is also yeah. not r- real the well, way it's shown in any it fiction. Was not as overused a trope as it is now in, yeah. in the early 80s. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I think that all of our all of our our problems with that beat up trope happened probably at the you know around the start of of uh claremont's career and i don't know our experience with it is after that yeah i mean and we are of course subject to all of the bad storytelling that have used that to try and explain away plot problems Uh or just be a gimmick um in like i 
I knew about Legion because there was, you know, there was a more recent comic and now there's a television show, but I never had read, the, you know, his origin story, which this is. And it's really interesting. Like, I really, like having these other, like it's playing around with these, those three identities that are inside of him. I find that really, I don't know, clever. I, I it feels like it's playing around with comic book tropes at large in in that. Like it feels like, mm-hmm. especially with that the the cavalier figure, the uh, I forget his name. You know the identity that's it's Jack something. Yeah, Jack Wayne. That's his name. Jack Wayne. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a that that yeah. It feels very much like it is playing around with. Like this book it's itself subverts a lot of superhero tropes. Like all these characters, like you said, they all have kind of like most of them have kind of lame powers that are really weird and abstract. And then you get to the Legion story and one of the figures in it is like this ultra masculine stereotype called Jack Wayne. And then the other, and like the other two characters are, uh, the, a middle, a middle Eastern guy and this weird, this lady that like, she feels like Typhoid Mary basically, but she, I I think we touched on this before, but this, I, what do you think about all the Claremont dialogue choices a la dialects? They're insufferable, aren't they? He loves his, uh, God, the Scottish. The Southerners too. I mean, the, the yeah. su- oh god, Cannonballs. It's, it's like, have you ever actually heard these people talk? Cannonballs. Ever? Um, every I is a h. It's always a yeah. h every time. Uh, uh, I'm not. Hey, 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 Eric. Also, did you know that Cannonball is nigh invulnerable when he's blasting? Mm-hmm. And did you also know that Sunspot, although very powerful, is not invulnerable? I uh, I believe I did hear those things a time or two. <laughs> you picked up on that in every. It seems like I I think. Hey I, man, every issue is someone's uh, first. I know, I know, and th- I think that's like an, like it is a culture. I think it's like it feels it's always a shock going back you know thirty years ago and reading comic books compared to what a comic book is today. Mm-hmm. You know, it is so more decompressed and people do they don't write expecting someone to pick up an issue number three or an issue 27 without well, picking I mean, up all the ones before when, it. Right. I mean, when stuff is only on a news rack, they may never see another issue again. They might never see the ones before it. It's not like there's a fucking eBay in 1983. No, there's no, there's no, uh, comic vine where mm-hmm. they can, there's no Wikipedia. You know, there's, there's no, the only way you can get all these stories is piecing them together and hunting down issues. And yeah, if you bought it in a drugstore or, or a grocery store somewhere, who knows if you'll see the following issue or the issue before. So it's important that it, it tells you all these things again. Um, and I mean, I, and I think all, like, I think that's the other thing about those Sienkiewicz arcs is they go against a lot of the, like all the things you see in the early issues are all very, standard straightforward superhero comics a new team we're gonna play it safe and introduce these characters but then you get to this the the demon bear and suddenly everything is crazy and claremont doesn't hold the reader's hand as much there's there's less narration there's there's less 
recapping, there's less dialogue even. And I don't know, it, it, like a lot of, like we talk, you mentioned Judas contract, which I think is a good parallel. And, you know, I, re- I look, you, you always repost our stuff on, on Facebook, on your own Facebook. And there's always a slew of people <laughs> who react and yeah. every all the, all everyone's like, I love Judas contract. It was my favorite thing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And we're like, man, this is bad. It's and, bad. Yeah. And people, people don't like being told the thing they haven't read in 30 years is bad. And I, you know, I, not reading, having read this stuff, I was expecting, I wasn't, I, you know, I, I have now s- stopped expecting so-called classics to be good. And he, like, yeah. I go back and I read 30 year old comics. I'm like, this might just be bad. Mm-hmm. It, it's very possible, but I, I don't think these comics, I don't think the Sinkavage stuff is perfect, but I still think there's a lot of really good in it. I'd, I'd say there's a lot of good in a lot of this. Like I, this, 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 uh, this, this makes me a Claremont fan, honestly. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I agree with you that like Claremont and Sinkevich, it's like a completely different thing that absolutely does not feel like this era. It, it, it definitely is elevating the art form. You know, the fact that it feels like, it feels like um, early, like early, what early Sandman was shooting for. Mm-hmm. God damn, I mean, Sandman was what ten years later, roughly here, close. Yeah, I mean, maybe seven years. I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean, it's depends what Sandman you're talking about. Like, if you're talking about one, two, th- like the first volume, yeah, it's like eight, seven, eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's sort of what I'm thinking. I mean, the first the mutants first appeared in 1982, but you know the the Sankivit stuff was. A few years after that, I forget. Oh, what happened to? I think in McLeod, the only reason McLeod got taken off the book was because he had to go on his honeymoon. <laughs> what a loser! Or no, the or the novel, the, the their debut novel shipped two weeks late because he went on his honeymoon or something. It's ridiculous. But how dare he celebrate his marriage? Guess being a comic book artist has not changed that much. Uh, in 30 years, sadly. Um, no, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm d- down on everything else. You know, the, the McLeod and, and Buscema stuff. I think that's still very good. It's just, I think I would like it more if I had not read so much of it in such a short amount of time. It is. Yes. It is. Old. I don't know how the hell you read so much so quickly. You were like a fucking mutant yourself. I read very fast. You really do. I read probably longer than you did, and I, ugh, ugh. <laughs> it's, I, I just, I, I read very quickly. It is, uh, I've always read very, very fast. It is, uh, I don't, it's not a skill. I didn't, cause I haven't, I didn't like develop it or anything. Mm. I just read fast. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. I have to reread things multiple times. And I think, I don't know. It's there is a stark difference between like we read, you know, Judas Contract and Teen Titans, which was going for the same feel of the X Men, but they did not have Chris Claremont. I I think that I mean, and I was talking, my friend, like these were the comics that got him into comics. Mm-hmm. Um, our mutual friend Gary, you don't really know him quite as well as I do, but you know of him. I mean, he is my wife's nemesis. 
Yeah, that is that is true. I mean, how close can you really be? Um, I mean, we were talking about that guy Axe that's barely in this. That is, <laughs> I, I'm gonna say he's a pretty low point. Yeah, he's the but worst. I think he said that was I, I like think... his first or second issue, Jeez. and that the idea of uh, I've I have already forgotten where I was going with this, but I'm just gonna keep rolling. The, the 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 okay yeah compared to the Judas contract the idea that like yeah there's superheroes but like there's real human conflict and it is teenagers dealing with teenage shit where it was Wolfman right yes Wolfman just was nowhere near as skilled and it was just like let's talk about Michael Jackson a bunch because kids like Michael Jackson let's just say Michael Jackson. It just, I don't know, man. Like, the the thing about Cl- Chris Claremont is he was always pitch perfect with the stuff that he could talk to a young audience and not talk down to them. And that, I think, is, like, that's that's the best thing about the way he wrote this. They're like, yeah, he would, like, you know, the, the accents are hokey and there's all these thought bubbles and... Yeah, they're describing their powers at the start of every issue, and they're recapping everything in the story. But like the 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 notes he's playing are just—I mean, he's he really nails it for all the challenges that he was up against. He does so much right, and I think for this to—I don't know—for this to be of this era and still be even the worst parts of it to still be this readable and enjoyable. I don't know. Claremont's pretty amazing. Yeah, he, 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 I don't know, a lot of people, like, I, I, we even do it a lot, is making jokes about, like, comic book, comic booky stuff in current yeah. day comics. But I don't, like, one, it is, you all, I, I think you, you have to judge art within when it was made. You know, you can't mm-hmm. necessarily say, oh, this is a, I, I'm not going to judge a comic made in 1965 like I would judge a comic made in 1985 versus a comic I judge in 2017. Yeah. They're of their own time and place. Sometimes, sometimes comics like are timeless. You could read them in any time and they always are good. And certain other things are good within the construct of the time period. My uh, my art history teacher in college described it as the political environment. I want to say you, know, you judge things based on that environment, and it, it it's always relevant. Any any kind of art, you have to you have to look at it for, through that lens. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Yeah, but uh, like there are certain comics I read that were in this time period where I. They have all the same things that this has. You know, it has all the dialogue bubbles. It has all the recapping. But it's, like, forgiving that they're still not good. Uh. This, I go, yeah, they they sure talk about Cannonball being nigh invulnerable whenever he's blasting a lot. But everything that happens, all the dialogue, all the the scenes between all these characters feels honest. and, And feels real. And... I never felt that way when reading Teen Titans. I never, and there's a lot, and not that they're not the only culprit, but they are just a very famous one that we've read recently. But there's a lot of other comics of the time period which I I read and go, eh, well, that's fine, no thanks. But this is managing, like this is the idea of what the X Men is and the New Mutants. Mutants in in the Marvel universe 
is all Claremont. Yep. Like when someone you think of thinks of what Wolverine is or how Cyclops works or how the mutants work, it is all Chris Claremont who did that. Even today in 2017, like people don't even know his name, but why, what, when they think of the X-Men, what they think of is what Chris Claremont came up with. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Kirby and Stanley came up with the original ideas of, Hey, there's mutants and there's Magneto and there's Professor X. But until Chris Claremont came around, it was eh, kind of a meh thing. Chris Claremont came around, made X-Men the most popular book in the world and has basically in, basically invented their identity that still persists, you know, nearly 40 years later. And it, like, cert- yeah, some of these things feels dated, the thought bubbles and the recapping, but certainly the storytelling and the character is all still, still good, still there. The quality persists. Um, and frankly, like, the, the Demon Bear and the Legion arc are really, I don't know, they stood out to me. Like, and that is, it is why I wanted to, like, I, yes, I, I like X-Men. And I like Chris Claremont, so of course I'll read anything that he that he made. But it the, those the 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 those the the Bill Sienkiewicz art stuff is good only not only because Sienkiewicz is a weird anomaly in that era of comic artists, but also because Claremont seems to adjust and change his own methods to work with an artist, which is ideal. <laughs> like, yeah, that that is the, what you want out of a writer. You know, you want true right. collaboration. I think nowadays we expect it where I think back then the, the artists were almost like service people. <laughs> it's just like, okay, either write all this thing for me, Jack Kirby. Yes. Or Steve Ditko. Yeah. <laughs> or here's a bunch of words. You're just going to tell this story for me. You know, like it, it, it's a different thing. I don't know. No. Yeah. Come. I mean, it, we've said it a lot, but. Like we are so spoiled with for comics today mm-hmm. because you know artists have never there's never been as many great artists as so readily available and so easily like so easily consumable like you just talked about things being on newsstands and you don't know if you're gonna get the next issue or not yeah but also like the rigid structure of how a comic book works has never been more flexible and. You know, there's not, there's not every superhero comic doesn't work the same way and not, and especially not every non-superhero comic doesn't work the same way. You know, there's, there's less reliance on here, comic book artist. I will, Mm -hmm. here is, I want, this is a five panel page. Here's a six panel page. Feels like there's just a huge variety, um, which. Yeah, for, for. People's minds were blown when Fraction, uh, you know, changes the way he writes for David Aha. But I mean, like, this is fucking, I don't know, this is some transcendent, this is some transcendent shit for 1984. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's three. Yeah. It's, it's really, really, it, it is worth reading in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was how was this on your radar before the comicsology sale? Was it a thing that you knew about? Because this was, I mean, obviously I knew Sienkiewicz did comics work. He's definitely one of those names that you know you see his work and you see the skill 
I mean, it's obvious, but like, what was your perception of this before, before we decided to read it? What did you know? Uh, I, I mean, I just heard it about it through, you know, comic circles. Like, you need to, you know, this is a, this is a very important X-Men comic and explicitly, hey, Sinkavich's art makes it truly unique. And it's, you know, it stands out, like you're reading the other X-Men comics, you're like, yeah, X-Men, it's, I like X-Men, I like Claremont X-Men, so yeah, it's good. And then, hey, New Mutants is its own little weird thing, because it's like a bunch of teenagers with less, with like more abstract powers, like Moonstar has like fear and desire powers, and like, Cannonball literally is just a cannonball. Like, he just smashes through things in a straight line most for the most part. Like, it's, like, they're not like Colossus. Hey, I turn into metal. Wolverine, I have claws. I'm, I'm Storm. I have weather powers. Like, those are all very simple kind of ideas. So even that, like, okay, they're further niche and they're teenagers. So another niche. And then you get into that story and then suddenly rather typical, you know, solid superhero art. And then suddenly, oh, this is very strange art. And suddenly mm-hmm. they're inside of a demon bear, you know, mm-hmm. which I mean, how weird could he fucking get? So do you think he went into, do you think he had this story idea that he knew he wanted? Cause the, the, the demon bear stuff, they were talking about it in the first, you know, that first trade. Yeah. You know, it's not like it was out of nowhere. Do you think he went and found Sinkevich? to do that or he met Sinkevich or they were talking about the collaboration and they came up with the idea of doing it this way because it 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 it's it is definitely not the kind of thing it does not read like the other stuff it it clearly reads more collaboratively i don't know it's so different i don't know i, I like if you look at the issues beforehand there are ads like there are the ads that they would show they're like and they were advertising Bill Sankevich is going to be the artist soon because clearly, I don't know, someone saw this coming and we're like, wow, this is really different. We should, you know, let people know about it. But I don't, I've never, I, I didn't, I haven't seen where, like why or how, like suddenly Sinkevich is on the team or like, I don't know why that he, like, I don't know if Claremont just noticed him and went, I need to have him tell the story. I'm not, I don't know. He he worked it maybe he was just working he was working in Marvel at the time. That's all I know. And maybe Claremont's like, "No, I want him bring him over here. I have I have something he can do." I assume that Bring him here and let's get weird. I assume that he had like, you know, like you you said they mentioned the Demon Bear stuff early on. I assume he had that storyline already, but I imagine that he saw an opportunity with a strange artist or outside the norm artist and went, let's try it. You know, this is an experimental book in a lot of ways. Let's just keep going with it. A lot of this, it reminds me of the, the Barry Windsor Smith weapon X, which was also, you know, seven to 10 years later. It's unreal to think this is as old as it is. And as wild and experimental. Did I lose you? No. Okay. Let- Letting you talk. Let me just babble. I mean, that, that bear it, is really fucking huge. It is. It's a big bear. It's a big fucking magic bear. It is. Anything else you want to say? I think I I enjoyed reading this too. Just 
wish there was about a half as much. What the fuck is this this robot guy? Oh, Warlock? That that shit never made any sense to me. Warlock is a weird thing. Yes, he is. I like Warlock a lot, but he's a he's a weird. I, I've read I have read some Warlock comics, but he is a he gets less he's less weird later on. Like they there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that happens with Warlock. Um, but I like him. He's a really he's a like again. Hey, Claremont likes weird aliens in his comic books. Mm. Yeah, like he invented basically the a lot of the X Men's space stuff. We get Star Jammers yeah. in here. We get the Brood in here. Like uh-huh. Claremont liked aliens, and here's another weird alien that uh, turns things into techno organic matter and then steals the light from them. To it's all crazy. This. Why is everyone always going swimming? Happens a shitload. That's a weird motif in these. Teenagers like to swim. I think they really just wanted to put like a lot of half naked people in this. That's also a possibility. It 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 definitely happens with frequency. Yeah. It's I don't know. Again, another thing of it's time and place that I kinda disco. Mm. Hmm. Alright, folks, that was New Mutants, uh volumes one through four. Claremont, McLeod, Bushema, Sinkevich. Next week we're going to be doing what are you reading and discussing? My favorite thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris. Rave reviews everywhere. And I finally got a copy in Canada. It took months, but I got one. But of course, I buy one. It is on Comixology. On Comixology Unlimited as well. So if you want to read it digitally, it is there as well. But it is a, I am ha- holding a physical copy in my hands. It is a quite a handsome book. I'm really excited to read it and discuss it. That'll be next week. That'll do it for us. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find links to everything there. Links to our Facebook, facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Twitter, at HBCR. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. Uh, if you like the show, please take a few minutes of your time. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Google Play Music. Subscribe. Tell your friends. All those small things add up. Help us find new listeners. We really appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? You can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. See most of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Twitter and my Instagram, where I am known as Easy Goodnight. With that, folks, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Mm-hmm.